Good evening, good morning, good night, good afternoon to my listeners at whatever time it is that you're listening to this episode. Thank you very much again for coming out to another episode of Roped In. Um, this one is a another big benchmark for me. It's the big one zero, the big ten. Um, some of you that have listened to some of my previous episodes, if you remember, ten was a big benchmark of mine. Now I'm shooting for twenty five. Um, just the milestones on getting them done, but you know. Now I'm in the double digits, so I'm having a lot of fun, getting a lot more comfortable with the conversational side of it. I hope it shows. Um, this coming episode, I switched a couple of things up with some feedback that I had, and I'm I'm hoping the conversational side, as I've mentioned, makes it a bit of a better listen. Um, not that it was a terrible listen before, I hope, but yeah, I just hope it's going to be a bit of a better listen for you guys out here. Um on today's episode, we've got the top 10 defensive linemen. I'm combining defensive tackles and defensive ends. Also outside linebackers on the 3-4. Basically, if you rush the quarterback or try to get in the backfield, you're on this list. And then uh, I also got an idea from a friend. And we'll be talking about the best multi-sport athletes to ever do it. And um, yeah, that was a that was a very fun segment. So... So thank you to Greg Manson for giving me the idea on that one. Um, fire, very, very fun podcast segment. Um, had a lot of fun doing the research on that one. But before we get into the podcast, I do want to kind of just mention a couple of things that happen in sports that aren't going to be in the episode. So watching the Formula One, um, if anybody watched it, I, I hope I'm not going to ruin anything. Um, if you haven't watched it and you've recorded it, shut your ears for the next 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Um it was an amazing race. I don't want to say I'm happy that Red Bull didn't win, but I like to see that somebody else won, so I'm glad that that happened. But what an end to the race. Those four people coming to the finish line. Poor George. Um, had the right strategy all the way, but just couldn't finish it at the very end. But I'm a McLaren and Orlando fan, so I was happy with how it all ended. Um, coming into the football, uh, Eagles won on Thursday, so that was a big one. Uh, my fantasy team's... Are holding on, but I don't think are going to hold on too long. So I, I, I might not be doing that very, that well in fantasy this year. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun just watching football, um, playing the fantasy sports. Um, but again, I don't want to tie up too much of you guys' time. You guys watch sports. You guys can watch sports in and figure out what happened in the sports. Let's get right into uh, today's episode. Alrighty, and here's the first segment of the episode. I'm going to give a bit of a shout out to my friend Greg Manson, a guy I used to work with. Uh, he messaged me the other day and thought it would be a really cool segment to do the top 10 multi-sport athletes. Now, I switched it up a little bit. I didn't do the top 10, but it really had me thinking I liked the segment. Um, and we're going to do multi-sport athletes, so I'm going to look into some of the past ones. Um but like the past episodes, I'm starting to have a lot of fun with my friends. So back on today's episode, we've got Ian and Matt. Say hi, guys. Hey, hey John. Glad to be back. Yeah, nice. Uh, so yeah, you guys know Matt and Ian from the past episodes. Um, they're going to join me again for, I think, most of the episode, if not all of it, depending on how the time goes. But we're starting off, as I said, with multi-sport athletes. Um, doing some research into it, this was one of the funner segments I've done research in. Um, and I, I kind of did research way back on some of the earlier great multi-sport athletes. Um, so I'm going to start off guys here with a, a guy that I think a lot of sports fans probably know the name of, but maybe not know everything he did. Um, people that are, are casuals that are listening to my podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast as a sport casual. I appreciate the support. Um, but again, I'm going to explain a little bit. So the first one I've got, again, I've got Jim Thorpe. Uh, Jim Thorpe is a name that a lot of people know because of the crazy events and the different athletic abilities that he was in. Uh, so I'm going to kind of start off a little bit with just accolades and things that he's had. So Jim Thorpe was in the 1912 Olympics, guys. He got a gold medal in the decathlon and the pentathlon. For those that don't fully know the events with it, decathlon is 10 events of track and field into one. Pentathlon is five events into one. In the pentathlon, that with the five events, he won four out of the five events of the pentathlon. 
Okay. So, I mean, it's just how diverse he actually is. <laughs> and then on the fifth one, he came third. It was the javelin. Um, again, it was the 1912 Olympics. He had never done the javelin before 1912. So he just like picked it up as a hobby and became the third best in the event. In the world, <laughs> uh, yeah, no big deal. Guy just yeah. picks yeah, it up, yeah. starts throwing just, it. Like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. shows up, wins. <laughs> yeah, um, he was busy that Olympics. He became, he got fourth. He participated in the high jump event, so he he passed through the qualifying, the everything like that. Got into the finals, became fourth. So he missed out on the medal there. He came seventh in the long jump. So again, missed out on the medal. I don't even know if he made the finals, but. It's a lot of events to be in, and then rounded up that Olympic uh, Olympics in 1912 with the decathlon. So in the decathlon, he was top four in all ten events. He never came lower than fourth, and he won by 688 points. Now I don't know decathlon very well. Like I don't know how many points. I don't know what normal spreads are. I know 688 is a lot, though. That's a big number. <laughs> yeah, big number um, indeed. <laughs> yeah so it's just it, one of the other things with it is just the impressiveness of somebody that can participate in a decathlon and a pentathlon and two other events on the side in a two-week span at the olympic games is 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 something else um after the 1912 olympics he was like no i'm i'm not done with sports uh he was a college and a pro football hall of fame running back I think it was the cardinals or something like that he actually played up until and retired when he was 41 as a running back <laughs> 41 is when he was playing football um he played in the mlb for six years as an outfielder i think he pitched for a couple of like pinch innings here and there but mainly was an outfielder uh also was a basketball player he was on a traveling basketball team uh for two years um and to round it all off with all the sports in north america he turned down a career in pro hockey he could have played for the tecumseh hockey club in toronto um so <laughs> what could three of the do? four like, yeah seriously like, he did every sport you could think of yeah um, he almost almost had the whole big four just needed hockey in there yeah, yeah, he literally just needed to play hockey, and he's just like, nah, I'll turn that down. Um, another cool little fact that I didn't fully know, uh, I think he was, I don't know how full the roots were, and I don't want to say the wrong things, but he was a Native American um, and one of like the first Native American athletes to get popularity on that stage, um, which I think that Tecumseh Hockey Club, just with the name, and again, I don't... And I'm not going to say the wrong thing here. So, yeah, he was the Native American, uh, one of the first famous ones. Um, and it was huge. So Jim Thorpe was an amazing multi-sport athlete. He he literally did every sport he could <laughs> at a pro level. Yeah, that's nuts. I Yeah, I didn't know all of that stuff. I, I knew a bit of it, but... Uh... Yeah, to turn down hockey, he could have had the big four. He could have, but you I know mean, what? I he... don't know how good he was at hockey. You never know, but like he still, he had the ability. Yeah. And also think of the scheduling that that would take. Like, was he playing a lot of these overlapping with each other? Or was he just having to figure out, like, from sport to sport to sport? Because think of the scheduling that would be involved in playing baseball and football. And then you throw basketball in there. Those are same season there. You know, I totally should have looked up the years. That would have been a very smart thing to do. I did not. Um, Impressive yeah. nonetheless, though. Pulling yeah. a Will Ferrell Pulling driving from one game to another. <laughs> Done. Yeah. All right, go to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but instead of baseball to baseball, it's like, okay, I got to drop myself off at baseball, then basketball, then football. It's just <laughs> yeah. all over the map. But yeah, no, John, and from what I know, like Jim Thorpe is recognized in different ways. Like there's the college football award that's named after him, right? Like that's yeah, that shows not. he's in the Hall of Fame for college football. Um, there yeah. is that recognition for him as, as far as being such an amazing athlete. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so yeah, he was a, a very fun guy to learn about. Um, another name that I had never heard about that not in the same time, but was another older athlete is and and listeners, I don't know how many of you have heard this name because I've never heard this. I don't know if Ian or Matt have heard. Have you guys ever heard of okay, I don't want to pronounce it wrong either, but Mildred Didrickson Zaharius. 
that I've okay. never heard the name before. That's a name. I swear, yeah. I didn't make her up. I didn't make her up. It's, it's um, a new one to some me. Some people, some people might know her as Babe Zaharias, Babe Digixon Zaharias. Um, but okay, so let me get into what she's done, and actually tell you what, you're right. I'm actually going to let you know, like in kind of what order she did these kind of things in. So Babe Zaharias, I, she was a crazy athlete when she was growing up. So again, she was born Mildred Dick, Mildred Didrickson. Um, and she claims when she was a child that she hit five homers in a game. That's why everybody started calling her Babe for Babe Ruth. So she started being known as Babe Didrickson. Um, huge athlete through her, her kind of high school and everything like that. Always loved sports. Um, she got a job at some company in Dallas where she was born. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if she was born in Dallas, but she was born in Texas. But she got some comp- uh, some job at a company in Dallas, mainly so she could be part of the industrial basketball team, the Golden Cyclones. So the Golden Cyclones were covered by the American Amateur Union or something like that, or Athletics Union or something. Anyway, most people know it as the AAU. So that was governing them. And in 1931, Babe Didrikson carried this team to a championship in 1931 in basketball. Um, So stud, huge athlete. Then in 1932, she goes to the AAU championships. Not for basketball, though. It's for track and field. The AAU championships were the trials for the 1932 Olympics. She competed in eight out of the ten events. Okay. Okay. Eight out of All the right, ten. Busy, busy schedule again. Here's a. Here's what's even better. She won six of the events. Five of them she won outright. She did tie first for one of them, but she was six out of the eight events she competed in. Out of the ten events that they had, safe to say she made the Olympic team, guys. <laughs> You'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine so, passing that up. Not only does it get better, so at these 1932 Olympics, I think it was LA, but don't call me on that. Actually, I'm going to quickly look it up. Where were the 1932 Olympics, guys? Was it LA? Yeah, it was. The 1932 LA Summer Olympics. Um, That's the one she was at. Uh, Okay, the numbers are going to throw you off a little bit, but I will explain. She won two gold medals and one silver medal and set four world records. Okay. Now, I know the math ain't mathin, the math ain't mathin. Three medals, four world records. What I'll explain one of them kind of like makes sense in a way, but like I'll explain. So, in this, she in the uh, what are they the, the trials, the heats to get into the finals mm-hmm. of the 80 meter hurdles, she sets a world record in the trials. Then, in the gold medal, the finals, she wins the gold medal. Breaking her world record that she set in the heat. So uh-huh. technically that counted as two. That's where the numbers come in. So it was yeah. a little bit of a cheap one in a way, but like she set two world records at the time. So again, she she got the world gold medal and world record at 80 meter hurdle, a world record and the gold medal in the javelin. And this one, I didn't do my research enough. I don't I don't fully know how it makes sense. My guess is. She set the record and then it got broke um, because the page I was doing my research on, if they counted the record in the heat being broken by the record in the final, I'm thinking this makes sense. But she got a world record, but the silver medal in the long jump. So my guess is she broke the world record to have it and then somebody else broke her world record to win the gold. But at a moment, she had a world record. Yeah. That would make uh, sense. But yeah, that's it. So two golds and a silver and four world records at one moment in time for Babe Didrikson at the 1932 LA Olympics. So she's done the Olympics and people are like, all right, you've won the AAU championships, dominated the Olympics, chill, just get a job, hang out. No, no. She continues in basketball. And then she's like, you know what? I'm also going to throw in the fact that I want to be a pro billiards player, um, pool, for those that don't fully know it. So she becomes a pro billiards player in like 1933 or something like that. Then in 1934, she says, screw the gender wall. She actually participated in, I think it was like four Major League Baseball spring training games as a pitcher. Uh, I think it was, oh no, it was four innings, but three games. 
Um, she participated. It was different teams each time, but still, she held her own. Um, I think she only gave up was it one run in the six and a half innings she pitched of spring training um, to go along with her five homers in a game as a child. So Babe Ruth does it all. <laughs> so not only is she the multi-sport athlete, she's the multi-position athlete in said sport. <laughs> yeah, Shohei Otani before Shohei Otani. I'm saying. Um, Babe Digixon says this is not enough. In 1935, she decides she wants to pick up golf. Like the rest of people were like, fuck it. I'm sorry, language. Screw it. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to get into golf. Good retirement sport. I could play that forever. I could win a lot of money if I get really good. So in 1935, after her basketball and track and field and baseball career, she's like, I'm going to play golf. But she had to give up like all her other sports for three years because golf is all hoity-toity and she couldn't play other sports for three years to gain her amateur status. Um, either way, she does that. And then in 1938, she joins the LA Open where she's paired with a fella named George Zaharias. Now, if you remember from the beginning where her name is Babe Digixon Zaharias, you'll see. So she's joined with uh, George Zaharias Married this guy 11 months later. Meet a guy on a golf course, fall in love with a guy on a golf course. <laughs> um, So she was like America's first female celebrity in like golf and was a founding member of the LPGA in 1950 um, and won like a crazy amount of tournaments. Um, but yeah, that is... That's Babe, Babe Zaharias. She she just kind of ended her athletic career as a golfer, just winning a bunch of stuff and buying golf courses with her husband. Um, but yeah, bet you guys didn't know about her. Yeah, again, like new name for me. But so there's the 1932 Summer Olympics, but there was things happening before that for Babe. How, how long was the span again for, from the start of her athletic career to the end? Because it seemed like so, it stretched like, in over the peak a of really everything? decent amount of time. So in the peak of everything, so I think she got the job in Dallas in like before the 30s. So she started playing her basketball career in like 29, let's say. Yeah. Goes to the Olympics in 32. Starts playing baseball in 34. Picks up golf at thir in 35. Um, in 38, starts like being able to get into events. Oh, I was looking into things. I can't remember the years. I think she made like the 19... She won the 1941 British Open. It was the first American female golfer to ever do that. So she was winning Opens into like the 40s. So basically, she had a... I'm going to say with her golf career, I didn't fully look it up, but a 25 to 30 year multi-sport winning in every sport career. Yeah, That's yeah to have that length. That's... Yeah takes a lot to go that amount of time and golf is definitely uh easier on the body in some ways but still to be that competitive impressive there's actually another thing that i remember um it's not an athletic thing but she was so talented in other things she was actually a seamstress she sewed all of the clothes she golfed in. she made her own clothes that she got like she what, like what can she do yeah. She literally made the clothes she golfed in that she won events in. She was like, screw it. I'm going to do everything. Probably made her own golf clubs, too. It's just out there <laughs> crushing it on every level, just beating you know, everyone. Like cast just like, iron, just like hitting them with a hammer, making her own golf clubs. Uh, I'm not only going to um, beat you, but I'm going to beat you in stuff that I made. So here yeah. we go. Good luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they were a lot older athletes that I didn't really kind of know too much of. Um, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, that, again, with Jim Thorpe, it's a name I've heard before. Babe Zaharias is a new one for me, but I definitely went with more of a uh, modern era of sports for my greatest multi-sport athletes. So the first is a name that probably won't be a surprise to many listeners. So it's Bo Jackson. There's a great ESPN 30 for 30 called Bo you Don't knows. Know Bo. But Bo, yeah, and there's that uh, Bo Knows Nike commercial. But Does Bo know hockey? He might know hockey. He, did, he never played pro hockey, never had that opportunity uh, with similar to Jim Thorpe turning it down. But 
as far as his accolades and what he did for the span of his pro career in, in football and baseball, um, really impressive. And I know one of the things that comes up in that ESPN 30 for 30 is that was the era where sports highlights were really starting to become a thing. So Bo was everywhere because he's starting in April with the baseball season. He's going into late winter with the football season. So he's kind of all over the place with those highlights. But when it comes down to it, both in football and in baseball, he was both a, a power and speed guy. So in baseball, he's hitting home runs and stealing bases and football. He's not just sprinting by you, but he's running over you at the same time as a running back. <laughs> Big time bow. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that really stood out to me was his 1989 year for both baseball and football. Um, you talk about a guy hitting 30 home runs and stealing, let's see, it's 20, 26 bases. Yeah. 32 home runs, 26 stolen bases in 1989. Like that's, that in and of itself is a great baseball season. That's unreal. Yeah. Now, when you go through that baseball season and you hit football season, because sometimes he would have to miss the start of the NFL season because, you know, Kansas City. They overlap. They overlap. So, so he would keep playing baseball up until the end of that season. If they made the playoffs, he'd keep going. Um, But he then joins the Raiders doesn't play a full season. He plays 11 out of 16 games. No days and off. And in that, no days off. Yeah, literally no days <laughs> off for this guy. Um, but he he plays 11 games, and he still puts up 950 rushing yards. And his <laughs> longest touchdown was 92 yards long. So, again, going back to him being a highlight reel, um, he put up some electric long touchdowns during his NFL career. Uh, so 91 yards in 1987 in 89 it was 92 yards and in 1990 it was 88 yards so again walking highlight reel um, but it was also the effortlessness that he had when he played both those sports like if you look on youtube you'll see videos of him throwing guys out from the warning track and it's like he's not even trying like his arm strength was insane Um, i think one of the things for Bo is that his career got cut short by that injury. Um, it's talked about in that ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, but he had a hip injury that um, really prevented him from continuing with football. And then eventually same thing with baseball. He was never really the same athlete. He lost that explosiveness that made him Bo Jackson. So it's always a little bit of a what if in my mind, as far as how Bo Jackson could have continued his careers. Yeah, no, I remember the Bo Jackson thing, the crazy thing through that hip injury, wasn't it? It's because he was so athletic. Like a person with his speed and size should not have been able to run. So yeah, I think it was in football where it's like a shoestring tackle. Somebody grabbed it on the ankle, and it was because he was going at such speed with such muscle mass that caused such bad of an injury. In the sense of, if he wasn't as athletic, he might not have had a like a career-ending injury. Yeah, the man was yeah. a weapon. Like, yeah, John, nuts. you're right. It, it was a hip injury that was caused by a tackle. Like he was able, I think, to either break the tackle or get a few extra yards. Yeah, but it was something that like his hip popped in a certain way that damaged. Um, I can't remember exactly what not go that fast. Yeah. But he was just so strong that it ended up being part of the thing that uh, got him injured. Um, but yeah, going back to the Jim Thorpe reference that you had, um, or I guess not reference, but telling us all about him. Um, <laughs> In the ESPN 30 for 30, they talk about Bo Jackson as someone who was doing all these things. And it's really the first person in pro sports that's doing it since Jim Thorpe. So a little bit of a tie in between the two of them, getting some comparables there. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of my two. Um, I guess that really covers like the big four sports in North America. The other one I had is someone who's an Olympic athlete, um, Canadian, shout out <laughs> Canadian athletes out there. Um, but yeah, so Clara Hughes was a, a multi-sport athlete in both road cycling as well as long track speed skating. Um, and she had a really long career uh, going to the Olympics to represent Canada. So uh, just going over a, a general timeline, she uh, competed in the 96 Atlanta Summer Games and Sydney 2000 Games in cycling and then said, you know what, I've done some cycling. I've won two bronze medals at the 96 Games and finished, I think it was, she finished uh, sixth in the Sydney road time trial in cycling. So she didn't podium, but she was very close to the top 10. 
she then transitions into long track speed skating. So she competed in 2002 Salt Lake City, 2006 Torino, and 2010 in Vancouver. In that time, she won a gold medal, a silver medal, and two bronzes over those four Olympics, or sorry, over those three Olympics. And then at the age of 40, transitions back to road cycling to compete in the 2012 Olympic Games in London. Good Lord. <laughs> and, finished, and finished fifth in the time trial. So again, not a podium, but finishing top 10, just like such an impressive switch back. Um, she had a lot of experience in both speed skate and, and road cycling, but both of them are highly aerobic sports, uh, but also require such a technical side of it to compete at that high of a level. Like the Olympics are the cream of the crop athletes in each sport that's competing in the Olympics for a lot of those sports. I know there's pro athletes competing in stuff like soccer, basketball, things like that. Um, but it is elite company that you're competing against when you reach that pinnacle of sport. So the fact that she was able to switch between those summer and winter Olympic events, wildly impressive. And she yeah, was, I couldn't agree more. She's one of only six people in the world to ever podium at both a summer and winter Olympic event. So there's only six people to ever do it. And she's one of them. Um, so yeah, it, okay, it's just one of those. It's one of those ones where it's like the resume speaks for itself. Um, she also had a really good biography. Uh, so if you have a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. But she's my Olympic athlete. I wanted to shout out for greatest multi-sport. Yeah, I don't want to squat next to her at the gym. She's probably got <laughs> huge legs because if you're yeah. able to bike at that level and speed skate at that level. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They really did lend like the two sports lend themselves well to each other because of that aerobic base that you get. But yeah, I can only imagine just like the power that she has yeah. for both those sports and how it translates to other stuff. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Oh, she'd crush me. Nope. Mm -mm. Uh, well, going uh, for my athlete, I'm going back sort of to the uh, the football with uh, Bo Jackson, uh, prime time, Mr. Prime Time, Dion. Uh, he's uh, been in Boeing, Colorado. Yeah, he's been in the news a lot lately with uh, people talking about him and his team. Uh, but oh man, if talking about two sport oh, athletes, I got two of us are wearing hats right now. I should go get my sunglasses. Right, need the sunglasses. <laughs> we're, we're talking. We're having an interview. So yeah, we need our shades. Um, but no, man, if if you're talking two sport athletes, it's hard not to think about Dion, one of those guys. Yeah. Just again, like Ian mentioned uh the the time of highlights he was flashy uh he knew what he wanted to do he went out and played his style his way uh and didn't let anyone change that uh and i think it i, th I think people loved it i know i did i mean i could be wrong wasn't he like the ai of football basically <laughs> i think like yeah. he brought basically like the ai swag to football yeah, people wanted to be Dion at the time. Yeah. Like when, if you played football at the time, you yeah, were... Allen Iverson. For those who don't know, yeah, not artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not being taken over by robots. But yeah, if you were in the backyard playing football at the time, you wanted to be like Dion Sanders or Bo Jackson. Like those were the guys to be. Yeah, th those were those were the guys. Uh, so yeah, he played for the the Braves uh, in baseball. Again, a speed speed threat uh and then in football played on both sides of the ball uh and he's mentioned in a few interviews that it sort of helped him on both sides of the ball he learned when he was on defense how to beat the offense uh, and then vice versa from playing as a corner he knew as a wide receiver how to beat different cornerbacks so the the guy was one of those uh not only freak athletes but he was good on the mental side like he knows what he's talking about. He's very smart. Um, and you see that now with his coaching. Uh, in incredibly yeah. well-spoken. Uh, just, yeah, I've got nothing but respect for a guy like Deion Sanders and the way he carries himself and uh, the way that he's trying to bring up these athletes. It's it's wild. It's, yeah, it's no, unreal. seriously. You don't see it a lot these days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, other, I, other, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say the one thing I had never really considered is like the IQ like such a high level of football IQ to play both sides of the ball. And not yeah. only that, to like be involved in the game planning for both sides, like oh. to know your job, what you have to do, how you're doing your coverage or the routes you're running. 
just takes like a whole nother level of preparation. Um, but also good. there's there's the day, like again, this is going back, this is not a ESPN 3030 commercial, but there's the Dion's double play where he played not just a football game one day, but a postseason baseball game yep. as well. So um, you know, to be able to figure that out and not just play both, but excel in both or try to excel in both. Like that's a lot of energy just to play one of those two games. To play both, it's a whole nother level. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there are some other big names that people know is big in their sport, but might not know to play. I mean, like Jackie Robinson um, was actually the only UCLA athlete ever to letter in four sports. He was a baseball, basketball, football, and track and field star. Danny Ainge, the Celtics legend, actually played like four or six years with the Blue Jays before he became NBA. I think he's like the only high schooler ever, maybe just in Oregon, but he's the only high schooler ever to be a first-team All-American in football, basketball, and baseball. Um, I mean, names you guys might know, Julius Peppers played college ball. Um, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. Jimmy Graham played you. Uh, he played ball at Miami. I don't even know if he played yeah. football. I think they just drafted him as a basketball player. I feel cool. like I remember seeing someone that he like transitioned into football either later or after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I know but, he was a basketball player. Like he went there yeah. for basketball. Yeah. Well, and so, I don't yeah, know if like you guys. Some crazy oh. names. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw it recently, but uh, uh, Keon Coleman out of. Florida State with the Seminoles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, the other day, well, he's playing right now um, against Boston College. But yeah, his stats this year uh, in football 12 receptions, 170 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, and just the other day, he put up 41 points, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, and 10 steals in a game. Like there's, there's guys coming up that are, again, just unreal athletes that hopefully we see maybe carry on and continue to do both sports. But uh, again, do we see it as much? Are we, are we going to see guys carrying it on? I haven't seen it as much. Yeah. yeah no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think it raises a good question, Matt, because we have, we've already seen a bit of a split here. Like John brought up Babes of Harrius and Jim Thorpe. We brought up people that are a bit more uh, modern era but I think it's something that is disappearing a little bit. Uh, there's a huge amount of sports specialization. The competition to make it to that high of a level is so strong now that people aren't necessarily having the opportunity to split their attention between, say, baseball and football, like Deion Sanders and, and Bo Jackson. So I think it's yeah. something that we're not going to see as much as we move forward. It's it's a harder thing to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. The, uh, the last person I want to give a shout out to is, I'm going to mention him because, again, Greg Manson, the guy that gave me the idea for this podcast or this segment. Um, also mentioned this guy. It's a guy named Charlie Ward. I'll quickly just run through him here. He was a 1993 Heisman winner. I think it was the fourth largest margin of a victory for a Heisman winner. He played at Florida State, was a quarterback, um, got them their first national championship in 1993. Um, didn't quit, went on to basketball, brought them to the Elite Eight. Um, said he was only going to go to the NFL if he was drafted in the first round didn't get drafted in the first round, so he didn't actually get drafted at all. So the Knicks took him in the first round of the 1994 draft, where he played 11 seasons. And then right at the end of that, he got drafted by the Brewers and the Yankees after not playing baseball for 10 years. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was he not was bad. one of the ones. But I want to give him a bit of a shout-out, because yeah, Greg showed him, and I had no idea who he was, a bit underrated. Um, yeah, crazy athlete. But as you're saying with, like, we might not see it in the future. I just, I don't know. We can quickly chat. Maybe just like, it might not happen, but guys who we think like we want to see, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like we've seen Miles yeah. Garrett's basketball highlights. That'd be cool to see. Like he'd be like a Zion prototype. You know, Vince Wilfork's a big boy. And I, like Him as a sumo wrestler could be interesting because he also got strength. Uh, imagine Giannis Antetokounmpo playing volleyball. Like with his yeah. actual athletic ability and leaping ability, you would not beat him at volleyball. Greece yeah. would win. The the crossover between those just with the skill sets they've developed and their their main sport that they have right now. The one for me is Tyree Kill. I want to see him go yes. to either like 
like a U.S. track trials. Yeah, like whether it's whether it's like a trials for the U.S. team or even the Olympics. Like I want to see how he stacks up against people who are dedicated to say the hundred meter dash or the two hundred meter. We've seen those videos of where he would potentially finish based off of his stats. I want to see him run against the people live. That would be so much fun to see. I mean, Miles Garrett. You mentioned that he's he's already out there working on his crossover on the field, getting by guys. So he, yeah, I could see him on a basketball court. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um. But, oh man, yeah. You talk about guys like Tyreek Hill. So I think baseball. I go with some of the fastest guys right now. Ellie De La Cruz. I'd like to see him on a track. Uh, guys in the past, Billy Hamilton, who was for a while one of the yeah. fastest guys on the field. I'd like to see him on a track with some of those guys, just to see where he'd come, uh, come in and compete. Um, yeah, man, there'd be so many guys I would like to see like that. But uh, uh, Miles Garrett's probably the biggest one that comes to mind. That's, uh, yeah. but he's just out there showing it off, like I say, on the field right now. Like, yeah, seriously. But I guess then we're just living in a hypothetical world. But either way. All these people we've mentioned, super, super impressive. I think it's it's something else to be a multi-sport athlete. And and big, huge shout-out to everybody else we've gone on there. So thanks a lot, Matt and Ian, for uh, joining me on that one. There were definitely a lot of things I didn't know. And again, shout-out to Greg Manson for the segment idea. It was, without a doubt, one of the funner segments I've had. So, uh, yeah, there you have it, folks. So here we are with the second segment of the episode, and I've still got Ian and Matt with me. Um, and again, I am continuing the NFL top 10 position segments. Today we're off the defensive linemen. Um, heard some feedback, and I agree with the feedback, and I think I'm going to change up the order of how we do this today, boys. So um, we're just going to list our top 10s, and then we're going to talk about our top 10s and kind of make it not so much of a back and like listing back and forth. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll start it off uh, with my top 10. Um, I've got Nick Bosa, that edge rusher out of San Fran. He's my number one defensive end. Uh, sorry, defensive lineman overall, number one. Micah Parsons, I've got number two. Finally, not snub at a cowboy. I've got to have him up there. Got to respect him. Number three, I've got Miles Garrett. Number four, I have Chris Jones, who just signed that contract. I think it was a one-year 25 mil um, extension. Then I've got Aaron Donald. Uh, to round out the top five tj watt is then who i have at six the younger brother of jj watt who terrorized the league for a while max crosby's who i have at seven balling out in vegas quinnon williams um down in new york who was on hard knocks chase young who i have is at nine he's now cleared to play and i like him a lot rounding out my uh top 10 dexter lawrence over in new york so it pains me that three of the teams in the NFC East um, have a guy on this list and it's not a Philadelphia Eagle. But uh, yeah, that's my top 10. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, Matt. Who do you think? Uh, who's your top 10? Uh, top 10 for me. Well, we got a few similarities on our list. So number one, I got uh, Mike Parsons. Uh, two, Nick Bosa. Three, Miles Garrett. Uh, coming in at four, I got TJ Watt. Uh, one of the Watt brothers uh, at five, Aaron Donald, one of the guys who's been around for a while. Six, Quinn and Williams, like you mentioned, hard knocks. I'm a big fan, as you heard in the last episode. Uh, at number seven, again, we're going Lions. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I believe, in the Lions this year. Uh, at number eight, one of your guys, rookie, Jalen Carter. Uh, I, love I love it. At number nine. Uh, one of my favorites, glad he's back uh, right now from injury. Chase Young uh, at number 10, uh, Chris Jones. Uh, like you mentioned, signing that big contract, glad he's back. Big boy. Yep, big boy's back, and hopefully they uh, can turn it around and win this week. How about you, Ian? Yeah, so I've got number one, Micah Parsons. Number two is Nick Bosa. Number three is Miles Garrett. Four is Aaron Donald and five is Chris Jones. So definitely some similarities in our, our top oh, yeah. fives for sure. Big time. Uh, six is TJ Watt. Seven is Max Crosby. Eight's Quinnen Williams. Nine's Aiden Hutchinson. And then, John, I've also thrown Jalen Carter into the mix as my number 10 with Brian Burns and Dexter Lawrence as my honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. I wanted to throw DeForest Buckner and Brian Burns in mine, but they just missed mine. Yeah, Brian Burns was on a 
close cut list of mine as well with uh, Will Anderson Jr., another rookie, uh, and another Eagle, Jordan Davis. Yeah, I mean, this one was a fun one to research for me. Uh, Eagles, again, no, none of them made my list, but man, I'm excited to watch this Eagles defensive line. Uh, they basically got Georgia's defensive line, and they're all really fun to watch with Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, and Nolan Smith. I'm excited to see what they can do. They're learning behind two of the funnest linemen in Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Um, Hassan Reddick was like leading the league in sacks last year, so it was fun to watch Philadelphia, but again, none of them made my list. Um, I know it was a lot of people that said this are going to be, why'd you have Nick Bosa at number one, John? You're stupid. Yeah, I know. Michael Parsons probably should be number one. Um, but again, I hate the Cowboys and Nick Bosa was my defensive player of the year pick. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got Nick Bosa number one for there, but I mean, I probably should have Micah number one, like you guys for a reason. Yeah, well, mine was the same reason as yours, John. Like I said, Micah Parson was going to be making his statement for Defensive Player of the Year, so only made sense for me to have him at number one on my list. Otherwise, probably shouldn't have put him in that spot for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after that week one, 40 to zero that that defense put up, zero points. Uh, <laughs> for the part, yeah, Micah Parsons had to be up there for me yeah again he probably should be but that's why i had nick bosa uh another guy i wanted to highlight is big chris jones again the guy that signed it threw him up there at number four into the top five i think he was in ian's top five as well and got into matt's top 10 um but i mean he had 15 and a half sacks last year as a defensive tackle which is absurd um but yeah he just signed the one-year 25 mil extension I think for just big boys that clog the middle, maybe Aaron Donald's going to make me eat my words, but I think he's the best in the league this year. He he literally is just everything on pass and run defense on that Kansas City. Um, they're a completely different defense without him, so that's a big reason I had him in the top five. I, it's going to be interesting to see now that he's back in action, how much yeah. that changes Kansas City on their defense, right? Like, he's such a disruptor in the middle of the line, so... I definitely like agree where it's like, ooh, I got my swagger back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might have their swagger back, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But a, a guy I want to highlight is Quinnen Williams. For me, this is more – Matt, you, you were talking last week about personalities and how that influences your ratings. Thank He's you. a great football player. But uh, inside joke – not really inside joke, but a running joke we have in our group is just the bless you, thank you from that interview. Like <laughs> one of the funniest <laughs> interview moments I've seen oh, in a while. Definitely gets brought up here and there when we're all online. Oh, man, yeah, that one. And, and then if anyone's seen Hard Knocks this year – uh, I think someone called him fat and he was like, what you calling me fat, man? I've been working. I lost weight in the off season. Like he's just so <laughs> funny, man. Like he just, Oh yeah. He's good. Oh, the greatest personality. Like, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty good. I mean, along, I mean, yeah. Sorry. What were you about to say, Matt? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, uh, touch on, uh, another guy, but go, go ahead before I do that. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I was excited to have Chase Young. I mean, he hasn't necessarily proven the stats-wise to be in this top 10, but was drafted that high for a reason. He's cleared to play. Plays on the Commanders, who are probably going to change their name with new ownership now, but thank God that Snyder's gone. Uh, but Chase Young, I think, is a really, really exciting guy that I I can't I can't wait to watch him as much as he's going against the Eagles. It's, it's going to be fun to watch Chase Young's career if he can stay healthy. That's the big question mark. Yeah, he's he was uh, out of the draft, one of my favorite uh, defensive ends to yeah. watch. And yeah, the injury unfortunately slowed that down. And uh, hopefully he can pick it up and stay healthy. Um, but another guy that I wanted to touch on was Miles Garrett. Uh, another just absolute oh, yeah. freak athlete. As number three for about. all of us, right? Yep, I think so. Yep. Yep. Number three yep. for me. And uh, yeah, we talked about it with multi-sport athletes you know he's just one of those crazy oh, yeah, athletes baller. yep the baller Zion out there Williamson on a football court oh yeah football court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if football court if you've seen that video or that uh, thing going around on uh instagram mm. of that really bad basketball court that's like crazy long. oh yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. maybe it is a football court yep. um 
but no, oh man, the guy's just an animal out there. He's practicing his crossover while he's playing football. And then he does the crossover move to get around the defender and beat him. Like he's showing the move before he does it and then <laughs> does it and sacks the court. Like the guy, the guy's amazing. Um, if, if, if that doesn't scream, like, I know I'm better than you and I will show you like the confidence in that is insane. Right. Like what? Yeah. What's he going to do next? Uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's top three for me for sure. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, one of the guys now actually hearing your guys' lists that I kind of forgot about and probably should now throw it number 10. Take next to Lawrence out. Screw you, Giants. Go Eagles. Um, Aiden Hutchinson on the Lions. I love him. He's going to be number 10 for me. Go Lions. Uh, maybe should be nine because Chase Young hasn't proven it and Hutchinson proved it last year. Um, but yeah, I think Hutchinson actually is going to sneak into my top 10 and knock next to Lawrence out. Um, but again, I'm super excited to see what the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line with their super young and athleticism with the mentors on there. I mean, who, who, what other team, like, I don't know if this did research on this because I kind of throw this question out there, but off the top of your head, what other teams do you guys think have like just dominant defensive line? So I think the Eagles are up there. The Eagles for sure. Uh, yeah, the line, Eagles. Ooh, uh, would the Niners be up there? You think they've got Bosa, Armstead, yeah, I'd say they're up there. They've also got uh, Hargrave and Jackson. Yeah, that's it, on Hargrave. That's the guy, Hargrave from Philadelphia. That was the other big one. So, yeah, we got three, three out of the four really, really good defensive linemen. Well, part, part uh, of it, not, too, with the you Lions. You might not want to hear it. Sorry, oh. Matt, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say part of it with the Lions is uh, – Oh, no, I'm not going to talk about Dallas at all. No, I was just going to say it's the mindset in Detroit. Uh, how crazy – they they want it so bad. They're dogs, right? Like they talk yeah. about that all the time. Uh, yeah, I know the one who Ian's talking about, though. It's the I, Washington I, Commanders. Their defensive no. line is filthy. It's not even them. Oh. I, I was gonna go with the Giants. That's why I was saying sorry, John. Uh, you know, another division rival. But I've but said the two teams. Oh my god! With with Robinson, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams, like that. As far as a front three with their system, like it's. Pretty good. Who's that guy they three. drafted last year too? Didn't they have a top draft pick recently? That's an edge rusher. I'm telling you, New York drafted a guy that's edge rusher. That's huge. Too much he plays casual. probably outside linebacker on a three-four. Oh, oh, I know you. Oh man, I know you're talking. Who has about shades? Too. I think he played at Oregon. Kayvon Thibodeau. There, yep. That'd yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking the Commanders because they've got um, Chase Young if he's healthy, Montez Sweat on the other side, and they've got uh, Payne and Allen. Um, so there's four. I mean, yeah, Dallas. Does Dexter Lawrence still like strike fear in people's face? As a, he does as a giant <laughs> this time around. <laughs> so yeah, but well, I think the thing for me going back to to my list, like. John, I know you didn't really have any Eagles until your honorable honorable mentions, right? Yeah. But I think I think as a group, like it's one of those things of like the individuals as a sum, like as a total group, is just going to be a really strong right. core of a defensive line. Um, but I had Jalen Carter. I think for me, what stood out was that debut. Like to be 22 years old, coming to the NFL and have that first week where he was disruptive, yeah, got a sack. That's true. It's just one of those things where I, I, I'm curious to see where he puts himself in that pecking order for the the Eagles because I think he's got a really good chance there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited to watch him. I mean, again, I think it's a line that could get another four or five guys with double digit sacks. I mean, Hassan Reddick can do it. I think Carter could do it. Smith can do it. Cox and Graham can do it. Davis yeah. might not be able to do it, but he's going to be a big boy that just stops every run up the middle. Is he like six seven three fifty? Yeah, and Carter was just throwing guys around like you saw it. He yeah, grab he, a guy, he, push him out of the way. Like it's easy. I like haven't seen Donald someone did. like like Aaron Donald, and then Jalen Carter's like I could be the next Aaron Donald, guys. Yep, that's what I was just. I don't want to say that because I do think Aaron Donald's like arguably the greatest defensive tackle, one of the better defensive players of all time. Um, but that's what I saw when I saw Jalen Carter playing, just shoving people around the place. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just that strength to do it. If the if Aaron Donald or if uh, 
Carter could pick up some things from Aaron Donald. Yeah, I could see that exactly happening, following that yeah. path. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, like it or hate it, um, I love it. There's our top 10 defensive linemen. Again, Parsons probably should be number one, but I've got Nick Bosa. Um, the rest of it, I think we all have pretty similar people can agree on things. And uh, let us know what you guys think in the uh, Instagram post. That's where you can comment. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, I finally actually said it. That was a little, a little bit of feedback. Um, so there you have it. There's our top 10 defensive linemen. Thanks again, Ian and Matt, for uh, helping me out on this one. Well, so as some of my listeners might know, again, this actually is a big special episode. Um, it's the big one oh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Thanks. Uh yeah, big episode number 10. I was one of my milestones. Um, I can't remember looking back when I said was 25 my next one or is 50? Whatever. I feel like it was 25. It'll yeah. be 25. I think it was 25. 50 is like a yeah. big jump. Uh, but thanks a lot, Ian and Matt. You've you've helped out on the past couple of episodes and uh, helping my dream become a reality. And here we are with episode 10 again. Uh, so that was big. Uh, kind of some references back again, Ian, uh, Ian, Matt and I are big friends and we always talked about how we should have been multi-sport athletes. I mean, realistically, I should have been on one of the topics that I mentioned with my athletic abilities. Um, I think I could do it all. I was a great soccer player basketball player uh, i rode i think i could have been a dope tight end um i don't skate hockey it would not have been my thing could have played volleyball uh cricket uh you know I, put put me out there coach and, and he could pass the ball kind of thing like i could do it all dude so <laughs> i should have been a multi-sport athlete i don't know what you guys think but i should have been a multi-sport athlete yeah, I going back to what I said about sports specialization, I feel like that started happening when we were probably playing high school sports, stuff like that. I mean, I played football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer at one point. It was a different version of football. Uh, so for me, yeah, very much like I was good enough to be competitive in high school, but not to get to that next level. Like John and I, we both rode together in university. But yeah, as far as those sports I was playing in high school, that it rowing was something I picked up afterwards. It's just, it's hard to get to that next level playing multiple sports for that reason with specialization. Yeah. I mean, growing up, it was one of those things you pick up any sport and you could pretty much do it, but I don't think it was one of those things like I could pick one and then like really excel, get to that level and take off. But yeah, if you give me a golf club, I go golfing. Put up a... I could have been in the NBA if I wanted to. I just <laughs> have a passion for banking, so I chose that route instead. Bank uh, shots all day. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh man, different type of bank uh, shots. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but yeah, either way, episode ten. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming out. Um, again, listeners, we we wrapped up who people we did know, people I didn't know um, of some crazy multi-sport athletes and our defensive linemen top 10s in the league um, i think at the end of the year i'm going to be going over the top 10 list to be like ha ah, i nailed it or damn i'm stupid either way thanks for coming out and uh as always Matata. <laughs> <laughs>